Good evening, Patriots, and it's Tuesday, June 7th in the year 2022, and in the East Coast, yes, you have arrived on the Wednesday already. We'll catch up with you in a bit. A couple things up front. Hopefully, if all goes well, um, Wano Saban will be on tomorrow or Thursday night, and Ted Nugent will be on Friday night, so that should be an awesome show. Looking forward to that. We're going to talk. <laughs> what do you think we're going to talk about with Ted? It's going to be guns. <laughs> Anything else? Any other questions? Guns, patriotism, red, white, and blue. Guns, patriotism, liberty, red, white, and blue. All those awesome things. Really excited to have him on, and it's going to be wonderful. I've had a chance to talk to him a number of times, and he is a, an amazing man. So I think we'll enjoy that. And if I can get one on, I've been talking to him. He's been, since he was now hated in the news, He's got a badge of honor. I don't know what's going on, but he's doing some good stuff with the election commissions, and that's what we have to want to hear about. Patriots, before we begin, make sure you're getting a good night's sleep. There is a flu and other things going around, which is just normal for the season. Don't worry. It's not another pandemic. But just keep yourself healthy, and part of the is stress that's going on right now and environmental stuff. Who knows what they're putting in the atmosphere? I know there's no such thing as chemtrails or bioengineering or particulates that they put into the atmosphere that changes the weather and causes us to have strange weather like Texas getting super heat storms or super cold storms in the middle of the summer, nothing like that. But that that's just conspiracy. Anyway, make sure that you definitely get a good night's sleep. And to do that, you do need good, great sleep products, and we are privileged as patriots to have the best sleep product company in the world right here in the United States run by Mike Lindell, who carries Christ in his heart. And that's MyPillow.com. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and as you know, my passion is to help each and every one of you get the best sleep of your life. That's why I created my new Giza Dreams bed sheets. I started by using the world's best cotton called Giza. It's only grown in a region between the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. I guarantee you they'll be the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. I do not like my sheets. I love Mikey's a dream sheet. I'm interrupting this commercial to bring you my BOGO extravaganza. For example, you can buy one of my Giza Dream bed sheets and get a second set absolutely free. Or my six-piece towel sets. Buy one set, get another one absolutely free. Or you can get my classic premium my pillow and get another one absolutely free. So call the number on your screen or go to mypillow.com. Use your promo code to get my buy one, get one free offers and get deep discounts on all my pillow products. And that's 800 975 2939. 800-975-2939, and that's where you can speak to a Patriot Pillow Counselor who's on standby to get you totally hooked up for all the things you need. Or you can just go to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Use your promo code Bards, and you are on the way to the races to getting equipped with the best sleep products around MyPillow.com. All right. Patriots, we are in bizarro land, but I do, I've been getting some great reports on some of our fellow Bards Nation B-Dads doing great work. I'm not going to name names for a lot of reasons, but I just want to compliment because they know who they are. I want to compliment you all for doing incredible work and just call out to the everybody out here. There's some people right now that are in the middle of city councils praying and calling out the lunacy of the Rainbow Warriors and trying to take back their their communities. And that's what we're talking about here. This is like warrior work right there, right? So I encourage everybody to continue to do that. These are powerful things. I've often said if we could speak to city council and councils and, and uh, county commissions the way that David spoke to Goliath, I probably, knowing me, I probably would throw in the I'll cut off your head stuff. I happen to have a great county commission here. That's really a good thing. But if we speak like that with the boldness, and we bring God into the fight, there's no question what that's going to do. So, again, we've got some, it's just very inspiring and really is inspiring when I get notes from people and just talk about what they're doing. There's people write me and talk about how they're starting gardens. There's people starting their businesses. There's people out here, you know, working with one another to build community, homeschooling. It's just, it's really amazing. And I, and I say this because as a community, what we've built here, is very unique 
because people are actually on the ground doing stuff. And that's God moving through all of us and all of us listening, to be quite frank. And it's wonderful because that's what makes us the difference. This isn't, we can't do this all with memes and cool little quips on Twitter, True Social, Gab, wherever you are. It takes getting on the ground and confronting people and talking to them and having the courage to speak the truth. And that's really it. We've got a short little piece here on the Matrix. Let's see what this one, this guy's got some good stuff. Let's see what he has to say tonight. Matrix has you, part five. College, the final link in the shackle of your bondage. Let me see if I have this right. In order to get a good job, I have to spend 30, 50, 100, $150,000 to get a piece of paper that my employers deem necessary to be hireable. But if you spent that time and money learning an actual skill or apprenticing under a master who spent their life mastering a skill, and then you took that money to start a business, but that would be a problem for the system because the system doesn't want entrepreneurs, it wants employees. And when you go to college and a master this huge debt, you have to have the kind of job they want you to have just to pay off the debt. And what have you actually learned to do? Some system dependent skill that only applies to working for the system. Slick, right? But what do you really learn in college? You know how many millions of people went to college with one set of beliefs and left with another? What you actually learn in college is that you're just an animal and belief in God is an archaic superstition and you learn how to party and be promiscuous and that everything your parents taught you was wrong. They break you and rebuild you in their image. The image of the system. Yep, that's it right there. It's perfect, perfectly said. You know, I was at a point, in my, I went to college, and I did get a good education that I have surprisingly have used, believe it or not, and that was my degree in history, but it didn't lead to anything right away. It took years before that had any purpose. But skills that I have, whether it was skills of photography or skills of building things with my hands, woodworking, I have my construction company or my timber framing, all of that came outside of college. None of that was in college because college doesn't teach you anything other than if you get lucky and you get a good group of professors that can teach you about research and challenging systems and how to write well, okay, I was fortunate. But there's a lot of people that weren't. And there just isn't a lot of application of stuff that comes out of college. Obviously, there's you have engineering and you have sciences, the STEM series. But even that, you're going to have to be selective in what colleges you go to because their whole principle is around shaping your beliefs or shaping a child's beliefs to disregard, to reject God, to reject everything in society. I mentioned this the other night on the show, and one of the most interesting dimensions of science is quantum physics because the number of scientists in quantum physics that come to God is amazing and accept Christ is amazing. So it really is something, but that is truly a shackle. When I was looking at seriously pursuing photography because it was a passion of mine my whole life, and when I first started to get serious about taking it from a hobby to a profession was around 1998, 1999, and I was working as a national director of marketing for a company in Minnesota. And I had been working with a what we call a set photographer, somebody who sets up scenes for catalogs. Masterful guy. Man, his eye was amazing. And I, I basically was a grip, which assistant for him for about a week of work. It was really a lot of learning and it's amazing how much you learn just in a week when you have, when you're working with somebody that good. And I remember asking him about that. I was like, okay, I'm thinking about going back to school. And he's like, dude, forget it. Just spend the $20,000 or whatever you would spend and buy camera gear and start shooting. And ultimately that's exactly what I did. I had another, when I, before I went to Afghanistan, I mentored by distance, I mentored under a Pulitzer Prize winner, combat photographer that was working for the Dallas Morning News. And that's what set up the skill base, which, had, by the way, do you know that in that year-long mentorship I did with him, do you know that we never once talked about F-stops, speeds, or the mechanics of the camera? Everything that I was taught by one of the top photographers in the world for combat photography was about how to perceive, see, and visualize the photo. That was it. It was about passion. And I say all that because if you're in school, you're going to be spending years 
wasting away trying to memorize all the perfect way, way to set your camera. It's all instinctual, by the way, in the end of the day. You, just, you have to learn it, but it, you have to make it instinctual, which is, I think, like just about everything. Some of the best shots, shooters I've ever met, long-distance shooters, don't sit there and measure every little piece of windage. They understand it. My family members were great shots. They're all cowboys up in, they were all cowboys up in Montana. And the 4th of July celebration was always about shooting open sights. Be clear about this. Open sights, no, no scopes, 500 meter targets. And it was about who would have the tightest single shot hole with three rounds. So there was, they were that good. And they didn't need, they didn't worry about scopes. It was open sights. And that's just how it is. I mean, when you get to, when you live with something and you, you're passionate about mastering something, whether it's blacksmithing or anything else, those are the gifts and talents. And we need a lot of them right now. And really, whatever we dig into, we have to master it. And there's this, with that, I think God speaks through us in very bold ways. But we are really in bizarro land right now. I've played this piece earlier today. I want you to hear this. I, I'll try not to laugh in this one. This is again the 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 upcoming film, um, which is what is a woman, and this film is truly an amazing work. Matt, I think it's Matt Walsh, Matt Welch, Matt Walsh. I'll I'll check it. I may have made a mistake. I just want to make sure. But anyway. This is truly an, an amazing film. Yeah, Matt Walsh. I apologize. Matt Walsh. And I will try to get him on the show. But just listen to this. This is the world that we're currently in. And, I, and there's really no words. I want to show you another quick sneak peek. This is something that I posted on uh, Twitter a couple days ago. Quick sneak peek from the film. And this relates to, you know, everything we talked about really in the opening. Um the, it's sort of the, the logical conclusion of the leftist sexual agenda. What, what happens when we become unmoored from truth, unmoored from reality, from our moral tradition? And we uh, took the rabbit hole all the way down in the film. So I want to play this clip from uh, What is a Woman, which is available now at whatiswoman.com. You can become a subscriber and watch, but here it is. Watch. So now we are seeing kids that are identifying as animals going to school and they are purring instead of answering questions and they meow and the teachers are not allowed to question it because it's considered a queer identity. So you have kids that are going to school and they're saying, I'm a cat. Mm -hmm. And the teachers have to affirm them as a cat. Yes. So, so it's the not schools just are like the young literal, ones. literal zoos now, basically. They are. I am a 27-year-old transgender woman. Um, I am a wolf therian and a member of the furry fandom. When and how did you discover this inner wolfness? Um, probably around age 10 or 11. I was watching an anime about wolves and see the wolf running across the screen and I'm somehow just intrinsically like, oh, that's me. Have you spent any time around biological wolves? Yes. That sounds dangerous also. What, what context um, are you? So I was a volunteer with a preserve and I've, I've also visited many wolf preserves. Are you able to communicate with the wolves? Am I gonna have a conversation with a wolf in the way that I'm communicating you and I? Obviously not. Am I going to read their body language, respond appropriately to their behaviors and their nonverbal cues? Yes. Would you, be, would you be able to give us an example of this wolf communication? Um, no. I'm not comfortable doing so. Okay, all right. I mean, I thought I'd ask anyway. Uh, I would be interested to know. I mean, I, I still would, would like to know what, um, really what the interpersonal communication between a wolf is like. And you, and you see that and you think, well, that's uh, absurd and you can kind of laugh about it. And sure, but, you know, I'm telling you right now, this is not, uh, this is not any kind of um, extreme slippery slope possibility. I think that a few years from now, that someone, I don't know if it's going to be me, but someone's going to have to make a, a film called What is a Human? Because... This trans species stuff, this is not um, just a fringe fad. 
you know, outlier type of thing. This, as we heard from Sarah Stockton, who's the, the therapist in the first part of that clip, this is a very common thing. And she's not the only one saying that. You know, we hear from people that work in the schools, therapists that feel like they can speak out without be, having their career, careers destroyed, that this is, this is a thing now. Kids, this is what kids are doing. And it's like, well, and of course kids are doing that. When you tell kids that, hey, you can be whatever you want to be, your identity is up to you. Of course, a lot of them are going to say, oh, well, I'm a, I'm a wolf or I'm a whatever, I'm a monkey. And, and usually, in a, like in a sane society, kids pretending to be animals, as long as they're kids. Now, the person we were talking to there, the, was it Wolf Therian? Not a kid. That's an adult. But for kids pretending to be animals, usually it's, uh, my own kids do that sometimes. My two-year-old runs around pretending to be an animal. And that's, that's perfectly fine. That's using your imagination. Except that we don't live in a sane society. And so now uh, we latch on to that and say, okay, well, that, that's, your, that's who you are now. That's your identity. That's not, that's not just a game. That's who you are. So look out for the sequel, What is a Human? Dropping sometime in the next few years. Well, I hope you... I, I'm really... <clears throat> I'm wondering if, if you're a wolf... If you're identified as a wolf, if I can use my predator tag on my property legally, because it's a nuisance tag, and it's a and I have to concern myself with this wolf therian eating and attacking my cattle, huh? I have to think about that. I might have to bring that up to BLM and wildlife management. See what they have to say if that accounts. Because if you're not gonna, if you're not identifying as a human being and you don't want to be recognized as a human being, and now you're gonna like lift your leg and pee on trees, and you're gonna poop in the woods. You know, you, you know, you heard that saying, and, I, and it basically says, "If a bear shits in the woods, this takes on a whole new meaning." Literally, <laughs> I don't even know what to say to this. It, it's it's like. Man, what what world are we in? Do you realize how far we have come in literally like 90 days? It is if if we were going to be witnessing or watching a film right now called Invasion of the Body Snatchers and you're like, "Hey, I've got a great film for you." And we were watching all this stuff happen. It would be kind of like a sci-fi horror comedy. And we would all be enjoying it. And we look around right now, and it's like, yeah, but we're not at the theater. At least I don't think I am. That'll be the next one. Listen to this horror show. This is another one by Matt Walsh. This is just horrific. This is the stuff they're. This is what they're doing to young boys. By the way, when I say they, this is done with parental consent. Take a listen. Last night, I heard you describe it as chemical castration. Explain that for our audience. That is quite literally what they are doing to kids. You know, the, what, what they refer to euphemistically, and everything that they say is covered in euphemism, but euphemistically they say, well, we're going to give puberty blockers to kids, and then they, they tell a lot of lies about how it's all reversible and temporary and all that stuff, and that's not true. But the actual drug that they give to kids is called Lupron, and uh, that is a drug that they also give to sex offenders for chemical castration. That is an absolute fact. Um, and this is what's being prescribed to kids, millions of kids all across the country. We talked to um, at least one of the, the, the doctors who, who does, in fact, prescribe these drugs to kids. And what we found when we talked to that doctor is that uh, that's yet another person who, who, although they do this every day for a living, uh, they don't actually want to answer any questions about it. All right. So we're giving chemical castration to kids from doctors that are claiming that this is a beta blocker or a hormone blocker that can be arrested at any point and reset. The whole concept is insane. You're basically saying at the peak growth of a child, you can block their hormones and then they can get them off it whenever they decide that they're through this confusion point and then they can, they can start growing again. Anybody that believes that stuff, I really have a fantastic cheese covered turd sandwich for you and I will make it myself. I mean, this is the dumbest stuff in the world.
unbelievable. And people are believing this. This is, it is like, it is literally, and I'm not really exaggerating at all. It is like we just walked into a different reality. But maybe it's more appropriate if we read 1 John 15. And actually, it's 1 John 2, 15, excuse me. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father but is from the world. The world is passing away and also its lusts, but the one who does not does the will of Father lives forever. Children in the last hour, and just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you will all know, I have not, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know the truth, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father, and the one who confesses the Son has the Father also. As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also abide in the Son and in the Father. We're all subject to many of the mortal sins. In these things, it's interesting when we read this. The eyes and the boastful pride of life. The flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. Eyes are compelling. And I don't think we give enough weight to all the else, what eyes represent for us. Many in the old way used to say that eyes are the gateway to the soul. Which I think there's a lot of truth to that. But I find it interesting that Antichrist is in plural here because we always try to take as a singular and we don't consider that, and I'm just putting this out here as a reflection point, not as definitive, so please hear me. As a reflection point, when we talk about the body of Christ, we are all one in the body of Christ, but we are all unique within the body of Christ, but we all are one within the body of Christ. Why wouldn't that be the same for the Antichrist? just saying. I mean, we are literally witnessing the equivalent of this passage right here, right now with the many antichrists that have gone away from us. And it's just something to really think about because this world that we are in is upside down. And as I've said many times, I'm not going to buy this garbage in life in the churches that tells us that we, that you are, you know, you're a, you're a sinner, you're, you're forever a sinner. You're, you're unrepent, unredeeming or whatever. I mean, you get redeemed through Christ, but there's always this thing like you're a sinner. Yeah, I know I sin. So do you, but God didn't have us sit here to be wailing on ourselves all the time to be more rolling around in the muckery of sin. We repent and it's just like, you walk, you get punched, you fall, you get up, grab your breath, repent, go back and do it again. Not the same thing, hopefully. And the beauty of the relationship with Christ is that you're forgiven, but it's not. that's part of the challenge is to continue to walk towards the perfection of the body of Christ. It what's, it's what gives us this constant focus and purpose at the core of all we do. What is most stunning to me right now in this entire movement of reveal of the true nature of LGBTQ and the thousand letters that follow it under, for everything under the sun. Not only is it ridiculous, only Satan could come up with something so ridiculous because it is, it's dissecting every little intricacy in human behavior to try to give it a title 
and essentially to lock it into a identity which separates each one of those separates themselves from God. But what's most amazing is that once people embrace that walk, they absolutely become identified solely through their sexuality. And I, I just remark at this, I'm, and again, this is not intended to be some sort of inter, interfaith discussion, but I mean, just to point to something that I think is very interesting in the senses of meditation, which is a physical space, and what is measurable in the body, the lowest form of energy and vibration within the body is tied to sexual existence. It's the lowest chakra in the Eastern studies. The lowest energy level is where you're based purely in sexual desires. And I don't know how they managed to pull this off, but they've taken an entire generation and generations plural and have them now living and breathing within the lowest energy space possible. And the longer this goes on, it's like they get worse. If I was on the outside looking at this right now, and if I was observing humanity, and I, I do actually do these exercises. It's an interesting exercise to do. It's like, what do we see on a broader spectrum? I see a wide mass of people that are struggling with frustration, that are struggling with our pursuit of God. We're asking a lot of questions like, what in the world is going on in our world? But there's this amazing pursuit in trying to reach closer to God. And in doing so, there's this elevation of beautiful energy that's coming out of all that. And then you have this other side, which is quite defined. It's, it, it's so clear. They're just, they reject Christianity. Matter of fact, you mention Christianity and they tie it to Donald Trump and the red, white, and blue, and they almost become spitting vile mad. And the anger within that movement, which is, that's pretty much comprehensive. Once they've stepped away from God right now in particular, it's like their anger is there. And you want to set any of them off, just don't even have to say anything. Just put a Trump sticker on you. And I'm, in, I'm not in any way deifying Trump. I'm just amazed at this trigger word. Mention Jesus. Try that one. <laughs> when do you do, duck? Because they're going to start throwing stuff, which is kind of cool, actually. Like, Jesus. And they're like, Wah! they lose their mind. Just And you can just keep saying it all day long. And they, they just lose their, their, their mind. And with that, their energy is just continuing to fall, to fall, and fall. And so we look at like Tesla where he says, if you understood what we are, it's, it's frequency, vibration, and energy. That's, that's life. And we know that through prayer, we elevate up our frequency, vibration, and our energy. We know that. That's simple. And it's what's amazing is through prayer, we are truly connecting into God. This physical temple is just a container. Our greater existence is life beyond this, obviously. And this temple that we have, we're basically tenants within God's temple that he's given us. And so it is up to us to steward it and us up to us to live in it respectfully. Everything about this other side is about defiling. I mean, think about the whole center of this, the whole transgender movement, the whole LGBTQ nonsense. Think about everything that they start to identify with. And I'm very serious because this is important. Lots of piercings. If you're lesbian, one of the trends is to shave half your head. I have no idea where that came from, but that's nuts. That's like Samson's taking away power or something. Color dye your hair. If you have purple, blue, green hair, I mean... Unfortunately, they've, they've captured that idea so much that if you see somebody who's just normal that decided they like the color of their hair, I don't care. But it's like you almost have to take a second take now and say, well, ooh, are you, are you trans? Are you lesbian? So it's taken away the opportunity for people to be free and just express themselves. But in their identities, everything becomes physical and sexual. And I'm stunned by this. It, it is such a base behavior. And the one thing they can't resist is the 
the desire to go after the children. And it is, it's like an unresist, and they cannot resist the compulsion to go after the kids, which is the vile nature of what's at the core of their sexuality, which becomes their belief system, which becomes their religion. It's, it's, un, it's something they can't even hold back on. And I've said this so many times, and I, and I truly mean what I'm saying here. Look, I'm not going to condone anybody's lifestyle that's in the LGBTQ movement, whatever. Not going to do it. I'll pray for you. I, I want you to have a relationship with Jesus. And in so doing that, I want you to come to that because in that process, Jesus will bring you to where you need to be. I don't know how Jesus is going to work that. It's not in my business. And so in that sense, what you do in your bedrooms, that's your business between Jesus, God, and yourself and whoever else you're with. And you're not going to be able to live in the true light and and truth within Jesus if you're going to be pulling all this garbage off of immoral behavior. But again, that relationship is with the individual to Christ. But what's amazing about this is as they want to live in this world, they have to be identified through sexuality, and it's not enough just to be recognized like you can't go, okay, look, I got it. They have to have you and I embrace them and support them. That's massive insecurity is what that is. And I'm absolutely convinced the more that I've gone down this route to look at this, that the insecurity that they're dealing with is the core of it is the separation from God and the knowing, which is in all of us, we have the knowing, the knowing that you're living in, in morality, that you're not living a moral lifestyle, that you're living contrary to God's word. So as, as they continue that life and we're around them, and I've said this, and it's really an interesting, we start seeing things come together. This is all God working right here, right now. I mean, really what we're being shown is, and God has talked, we know this through scripture, we know this through living, we know this through all the words that are coming to us these days. We need to be the light, the lamp on the hill. We need to be sharing our light of Christ with others. So on one hand, what that is doing, and as we strengthen that through prayer and our relationship and walk with Christ, we are elevating some that are out here, hopefully many, that are wandering and seeking, because there's many people that have never met God. They don't even know a relationship with God, let alone believe in God. They don't have a knowing relationship with God. When somebody tells you that they believe in God, that's not enough. You, we need to help them come to know God. I don't say believe, I say no. And I, and I, I even use more because I talk about the intimate relationship, which I think is critical. We have to get to know and appreciate Christ and God fully as if they are literally the living, breathing entities within us, because that's true. I don't worship Christ on the cross. That's a kill. That's worshiping the murder. And I don't worship an empty cross because Christ has risen. So we're living in a place of seeking the, the living relationship with Christ. And with that, as we are doing this and becoming more and more committed to this, and as God is moving in this world, that power, that light is coming through us for others to recognize. But what happens when you hate God or in your world, worse, you have accepted a lifestyle. You may not even know God. You think you know God because Satan's voice has taught you through his many ways of deceit an immoral view, an improper view of God. And so the idea is that you're being led into a place to live an immoral lifestyle, contrary to where God built you and trained and programmed you, and you know it, but your master, who is now that little Satan dude, is over here trying to tell you how evil God is. And so when they encounter the light of Christ, they lose their gourd. I mean, they literally go off the rails. And so this is a, an amazing place that we have right now, which is I, I see this as stewardship and responsibility. I see most of our life as stewardship and responsibility. And so it's important that we take that very seriously because 
I mean, look, this is lunacy, and I, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna apologize for <laughs> laughing at somebody who thinks that they're a wolf. <laughs> and the best quote of the entire year: "How did you find your wolfness?" That. <laughs> I'm sorry. That just, that absolutely kills me. I mean, it's like, oh, I found it through anime. And I'm like, oh, well, hell, that right there. Now, that's the source I would go to to find my wolfness right there. Good golly. So we're dealing with, we're dealing with some damaged people. But I also, at the same time, let us not understate the power that we carry with us. And I say this, and this, you probably know where I'm going to go here because this is going to take me right to two verses that I repeat so many times. Luke 10, 19, behold, I have given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. We're witnessing it. As we encounter people and we're carrying that light of Christ, we're seeing it and they're reacting. In our world, they are reacting to this because they know that we have authority over them. If we will change this optic, and this gets back to us deciding what type of world we're in. If we will change the optic and the way we walk in our world and start realizing that we're living in the authority, if we'll simply accept it, that our authority is that we're carrying the light of Christ, the demons know it. Look, I don't know what happened in the last 90 days, but I swear between the vax and the mind programming, I would swear to you that like the demons have infested a huge chunk of this society and they're out in the roaring wild. And like I said, it would be a great sci-fi, but it's not, it's our world. And so they want us not to accept Christ. That's ultimately it. This is the whole idea of the, of the group attack and condemnation of anybody that will not support their rainbow garbage. And it is garbage. They have a baseball team. And in the baseball team, and it just just, just happened, and I'm not going to be able to tell you what baseball team is because I don't have it in front of me. I was reading it earlier today quickly, and I'm not good on baseball team names. But a baseball team has been given the choice to wear a rainbow pin, and half of the team decided they weren't going to wear the rainbow pin. So now since, and their comment was, well, that's not what they believe. It was a choice. So now the one openly gay player is accusing them of being hateful. You see how this is working? If they don't get 100% compliance with their way, it's no different than if someone came up to you and said, you need to wear a Nazi pin. I'm like, I'm not doing it. And I'm not wearing your stupid rainbow pin either because I don't, condone your lifestyle i don't want anything to do with your lifestyle okay again keep it in your bedroom between you and god that's you to face judgment for bring it to the public square and start making me forced to to comply i'm not a doormat i draw a red line and it's like no and by the way if someone says well you're judging uh uh-huh i am Be clear about this because it's against scripture. So yes, I'm making a judgment based on scripture and nope, not playing. And it drives these people nuts. And again, I think so much of it centers on Luke 10, 19. Because when we say no and we say no from the root and and foundation of scripture, we are assuming and taking authority over evil, all the power of the evil. And they know it. And that's where we're getting, in my opinion, so much of this reaction is coming out of and so much of this violent reaction right now, which should speak volumes to all of us in this powerful and wonderful relationship that we're building with God. It it truly is an amazing time. One of the short passages I just want to read here, and it's important, and it's right here at the uh, John 1-2, starting at one two one. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. 
And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation, propitiation, excuse me, for our sins and not ours only, but also for those of the world, of the whole world. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. You see, that word perfected is what I want to hit on. That's the life journey part. If you don't like those words because they sound esoteric, it's not intended. It's the life walk with Christ. It's the seeking of perfection. We've been forgiven because we know it is known that we will sin. We're surrounded. We live in the bowels of sin. This world is a cesspool of sin. And so much of the challenge for us in this experience is to find the pathway that is not sinful and when we do to repent. And it's the pursuit of perfection in the process. And most importantly, as we grow this and respect one another, we are accomplishing something quite profound. We are redefining what noncompliance and defiance looks like. Let me read this piece. I read this the other day. It's really worth reading again, and I really want you to hear this. Your noncompliance doesn't have to look like argument or fight. It can look like pouring out energy into what you create and manifest it here in the world. It can look like taking care of yourself. It can look like living well. It can look like teaching the people around you a new way of living simply by your example. It can look like peace. It can look like love. It can look like joy. It can look like not worrying about what other people think of you. It can look like engaging in things you don't believe in. Let me reread that. It can look like not engaging in things you don't believe in or value. It can look like speaking the truth. It can look like having faith in something greater than what is already known. It can look like our relationship with Christ and walking in his light. That is the ultimate of noncompliance and defiance. And the problem is that all of this around us and every source that we've ever grown up in has shown us what? What does noncompliance and defiance look like? Uh, let's name a few. There would be something like Animal House. That's one. How about um, Jason Bourne? There's another one. You see, it, it's going to be ridiculous, stupid behavior, or it's going to be violent, deadly behavior. What we're not conditioned with, or and it doesn't, it, or I should say it this way. It's the other part of love, peace at any cost which means we have to get along with everybody and just pray for them. My answer is this. Noncompliance is walking in that path of God to glorify him in all things. It doesn't mean I have to be mean to somebody, but I am definitely not going to walk or advertise for their insolent behavior to God. And it's that simple. And that means that's the strength of a warrior, just to say, sorry, no, and, and not have to worry about the struggles of confronting truth. Too much of what our world has been about is when you speak truth, you're crushed, and therefore people are timid to speak truth. When we walk with God, there is no timidity to speaking truth. There's only strength. And if that doesn't set well with people, like anybody that encounters you right now that is of the persuasion of the rainbow flag, which by the way, God's a rainbow they're trying to steal and will not succeed, then that's just too bad. They need to meet Jesus or grow up or just come to the acceptance of what they are. Look, 
if they want to walk in that path and take that wide gate and walk down to the lake of fire, and if that's where they want to live, then have a nice day. But when you start crossing the line into making me or forcing me to comply to your garbage, that's war. And to what escalation war becomes depends on how hard you force. We're never, we've never sought a fight in this. I just want to point this out as we close tonight. We have never sought a fight in this. We've gone quite the other direction. We have given grace. We have given room. We have given the place for others to be. We have not asked or forced people. We've asked, but we haven't forced people to comply to our faith in Jesus. We have followed what God has asked us to do. And we're not out here forcing people to put on lockdowns and until they read the Bible and take a test or something. That's not what we're doing. But that isn't the what we're being given back. We gave grace. They want to take it all. It's just like, hey, sorry. You want war. We're, we're here. And for those who haven't spent time in the Old Testament, I'd highly encourage you to spend time in the Old Testament because... The reality is that that's where you get to experience God's intense love and God's intense wrath. And there is such a thing as wrath. And for those that want to refuse God, insult God, demean God, I'm pretty much like David there. You defile my God. I will fight that fight, and in the end, I'll cut off your head and feed it to the birds. You don't insult the one God, the true God. And all that action will be his hand anyway. Be strong, patriots. This is a great time to be walking with the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are blessed with your love, your grace, your temperance, all that you give us in this amazing time. And you've given us the eyes to see. And Lord, for those transgressions that we make, and we all make them in this mortal world of things of the love of the world, we, we become obsessed at points with things, we become worried about things, we become attracted to things. Forgive us. But I think you know our hearts and we're sharing our hearts with you tonight. And that's not our desires. It's just part of the temptations of the world of the cesspool of sin that we live in and around. And as we seek you, we seek your face. That's the relationship that we're seeking through Jesus in that relationship of a father and a son, a father and a daughter, that true and intimate space that we seek to be in. So, Father, in this place, there is a line that we cannot cross. There is, in our walk, there is not such a thing as peace at any cost. We must continue to strive towards a perfection through Jesus, and we seek no ill will towards those that seek to walk the desire to walk away from you. But Father, that line, when crossed, when we are told to pull across, when they were told to force to comply to ways that we know in our heart are wrong and sinful and degrading of you, that's the line David stood on, and that's the line we stand on now, five stones in our pocket, and the boldness and the reminder that we will stand against any Goliath. And with you as the carrier of the sword, we will smote that enemy and bring it to its knees and end this evil. Guide us, Lord, in this fight. Protect us and lead us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Be bold. Be courageous. That's the one great thing about fantastic warriors in history. They don't seek fights, but they understand the moral line which they will not cross. 
And as long as we're clear in that, we're walking with God. But again, God never asked us to be a doormat or play some dead cockroach in the middle of the street, and we're definitely not roadkill. He created us in his image. And with that, there's a responsibility. We carry royal blood. It is, that is part of being reborn. So that doesn't say be a bully. It doesn't say be a king. That's their game. But it does say hold the line and stand and trust in the Lord because he will fight these fights. But that said, he will also fight them through us. Listen to the wisdom which he brings and be courageous. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He will never forsake us. And in this crazy time that we are in, prayers right now are so important to be focused on that intimate relationship with Jesus and that close and intimate relationship with the Father. In that space, in that beautiful space, We find clarity in all things. That's discernment. And in the end, God will always win this. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. Walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Remember, patriots, we are at war. Have a blessed night. I'll see you tomorrow for Bards FM. And bended knee earlier, which would be good. Spread the word on the live chat too. If we want to get some more people in here, it'd be great. We have plenty of room. So keep your head up. Have a blessed evening. God bless you all. Thank you. Good night and out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too All the nights been pushing through Fight for all we had to lose Reaching out for something To pull us up to level ground Oh, I can see it now I can see it now
Resting on his faith When your soul answers calls far away Thank you.